Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you are really blessed by hearing it. Hello. Well, that was nice and loud. Who was that? Someone said it really loud. Grandad. Hooray. <laughs> You're much better than 9am. It was like silent tumbleweed. It's too early. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Hello, my name's Rowena, for those of you that don't know me, and I work here at St. Saviour's, um, and we're talking about um, the verse that is Colossians 3, um, 13. So the NLT version says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The NIV version says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And the title of Colossians 3 in my Bible is, living as those made alive in Christ. And how beautiful is that? It's the ideal way to live as disciples of Jesus, as light bearers, as bringers for Jesus, putting on our new behavior like new armor when we accept Christ into our hearts, laying down our old worldly behavior so Christ can show us and shape us into who we should be. And just before that verse, Paul says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And one of the ways we can do that is to bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I thought it'd be super fun to start with why we don't forgive. Why is it so important and why don't we do it? And I, so I can only share with you my reasons are because forgiveness is hard. It's really hard. I really struggle with forgiveness. Does anybody else here struggle with forgiveness? Oh, more brave people. The rest of you are fine. So you can go to sleep for the next, you know, 10 minutes if you're all sorted with forgiveness. And for me, when someone has hurt me, forgiving them feels like they're getting away with it. They're getting away with it. Don't they know how much they've hurt me? How can I let them get away with it? It's not fair. Why do they get a free pass? Where's the justice in that? They should get what they deserve. I think there's also a tiny element, so I added it in bravely, of me that wants to punish them too. You don't deserve to be my friend anymore. Like my friendship is the shiny thing I can take away from them at a moment's notice. Have any of you said or thought these things? Me and Colin, excellent. A few more. A few more brave people putting their hands up. He's heard it three times now, and he's still putting his hand up for me. Well done. You, yeah, you're doing it now. You've heard it three times. There's no excuse. There's also the ultimate shackle, which I really, really struggle with, which is, I can't forgive them until they say sorry and I feel better. Bet none of you have ever said that, have you? So you can't forgive them until they say sorry and I feel better. But if you notice, people often do say sorry and we don't feel any better. They're still as annoying as they were before they said sorry. So is forgiveness a feeling? No, it isn't. It's a choice. 
And that's why it's so annoying, because it's a choice. But we treat it like it's a feeling, don't we? We wait for forgiveness to like rise up in us. I can forgive you now. That's never going to happen. And I think forgiveness is one of the biggest battles I face on a daily basis. Because I was a very feelings-led person. And I always thought that was a good thing. Because it gave me compassion for other people who were hurting. But the more I get to know Jesus, the more I realize it isn't good to be led by my feelings. It's a very self-focused way to live, isn't it? If I'm led by my feelings, then what I'm doing is what I want when I choose and no more. And my feelings are not very stable. I don't know about yours, but they're not the most stable thing you're ever going to find in life. And they're not trustworthy either at all. Mine, some would say, are inconsistent. That's potentially wrong. But they're inconsistent and flaky. But feelings are powerful, aren't they? Ron told me some fact that I didn't write down, so I'm now quoting it potentially incorrectly, but basically for every one thought we have, we have 20 feelings. That's quite a lot, isn't it? And feelings are powerful. They're really powerful and they can consume us, can't they? I feel this, therefore it makes it a fact. And you're like, no, it just makes it a feeling, not a fact. And what are feelings also based on? They're reliant on other people's behavior towards me. And that's dangerous. Because other people are filled with feelings. So their feelings might come to you. Oh, it's just a feelings nightmare. And building your life on those alone is the equivalent of building your house on shifting sand instead of rock. It's also to, uh, really important to point out to you all uh, that unhelpfully, I have an inbuilt burning desire for, inju- for justice as well. That's just great. In society, generally, having an inbuilt burning desire for justice is a good thing. Apart from when you're in times of conflict with people. In those times, a need for justice is about as helpful as a chocolate ashtray. It's just another way of wanting to be right, of wanting to win, instead of seeing the pain in the other person that caused them to hurt you in the first place. Because I actually don't think that many people just are deliberately setting out to hurt you. There are some, there might be one or two, but I think the majority of people do not deliberately set out to hurt each other. I think we all just get tangled up in our own pain and our stuff, and we kind of inadvertently throw it onto other people. Maybe it's like a subconscious thing where we're so desperate to get this off ourselves, we just kind of inadvertently throw it on other people. I don't know. But what I do know is that unforgiveness and bitterness are like poison to our souls. I found a picture online which was perfect for this. And it, it, yeah, look, little bottle of poison. And there's forgiveness. It poisons our soul. It's unforgiveness, sorry, not forgiveness. Forgiveness is good, unforgiveness bad. And it poisons our soul from the inside out, literally. And writing this sermon and writing what it means to forgive and seeing the opposite of forgiveness actually written down on paper is really quite horrific to me. I've really felt it was important to share the reality of my struggle with unforgiveness in case any of you were struggling with the same thing. It's the only way to actually authentically get up here 
and do a talk about unforgiveness. Because we can so easily get sucked into a shadow ministry. And what a shadow ministry is, it means when we've just slipped off the path maybe by one millimeter, just off that narrow path, and we're standing in the shadow of what God has for us. And it happens through things like that. So for me, forgiveness is something that needs a huge work in me to be able to live and serve authentically. And you know what I could do? I could just stand still and I could just think and of all the reasons why I can't do it and I could blame them because, you know, I didn't have forgiveness modeled out to me growing up, so I'm having to learn it as a grown-up. And I also struggle. I go into every situation kind of assuming that I've done something wrong until proved otherwise. So I struggle with unforgiveness of myself, of other people forgiving me and me being forgiven. So I'm justified, aren't I, to just stand in that and go, yeah, well, no one's ever showed me how to do it and I struggle with unforgiveness, so that's me. I'm done. Take it or leave it. But that's the worldly response to a spiritual problem, isn't it? That's the easy route. Unforgiveness is the easy route. And look what unforgiveness does to us. I found these pictures, I love pictures, because they, they, there's like, what is it, a picture says a thousand words. I also say a thousand words, but, you know, we'll go with a picture too. There it is. So, right, imagine you get up in the morning, boulder on, 1,400 people that have annoyed me. Here I go, off into my day. Why is my life so bad? Why can't I walk upright? Because you picked up a boulder every day and carried it full of misery. And then, do you know, the other picture that was such a joy to find was this one, which I've got the boulder. Oh, and look, unforgiveness chains you to the person who hurt you. This is attractive, isn't it? Who wants to walk around like this? So you're trying to carry a boulder whilst dragging this chain where you're attached to the other person. Behind, just checking they're still awake. I don't want to be chained to someone who's hurt me. They're not very nice. I look at them and get irritated. So that's not okay either. But the reality is that I do have forgiveness modeled out to me. I did. I had it modeled out to me in Jesus. The most perfect and pure form of forgiveness was modeled out to me by Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 21 to 25, it says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is also your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judged fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls." How beautiful are those words? And how exactly opposite are they from the list of reasons I don't forgive people, are they? 
you think. They didn't, my reasons didn't look like that. They didn't sound like that. And when I asked Jesus to forgive me and accept me, did he go, do you know what, Ra, I can't be bothered, you're really annoying. No, he didn't. He didn't then list all the things I'd done wrong. In like, I've been keeping a score. Just get out me A3 filing cabinet, Ro, before I allow you anywhere near me. No, he didn't. He willingly gave me his love and accepted me just as I was, a child of God. And in that moment of forgiveness, he saved me. He saved me. The Bible points us back to the right way for our soul every single time. Just like 1 Peter, just like Colossians. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowances, forgive. Remember the Lord forgave us. Because without forgiveness, we have no peace. We have no peace without forgiveness. Corrie Ten Boom said this amazing thing. She's an awesome woman. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover the prisoner was you. So powerful. And that woman knows about forgiveness. She was in a concentration camp. And after she left, she came face to face with one of the soldiers that had kept her captive. And he was walking towards her with his arm outstretched begging for her forgiveness. And she looked at him and said, I can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. So she said, Jesus, help me. And then she found her arm going out. And in that moment, she she realized she'd shaken his hand and given him a hug because Jesus did it for her. One of the most convicting Bible verses about what Jesus expects of us and is good for us and his kingdom is this one in Matthew 5, 44 to 48. It literally brings me back to him every single time, either instantly or kicking and screaming and moaning like a toddler, but either way, it brings me back. It says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your father in heaven, for he, he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That first kind of makes me squirm. Anyone else squirming? I don't know what is wrong with you. If you're not squirming at that Bible verse, there is something wrong with you. Because I don't see Jesus sat in the seats just yet. He's here in all of you, but, you know, none of us have reached perfection yet. If you're only kind to your friends... Even the pagans do that. It's easy to be nice to people who like you and are nice to you. Even I can do that. The real test is can you be kind to people who aren't kind to you? Jesus is calling us to look and behave differently in the world as Christians. 
The world justifies unforgiveness. But Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Anyone can love those who love us back. And Jesus, it's like he's standing there going, saying, my children will be different. My children will love all people. That way, the light in them will shine. They will not just forgive. They'll go even further. My children will pray for for blessing for those who hurt them. They will love as I love. They will turn the solution over to me. You just imagine and thinking that about us. And I'd never thought that unforgiveness also gets in the way of the other person's healing and progression too. Joyce Mayer said this quote about forgiveness. I'm also helping the other person by releasing them so God can do what only he can do. If I'm in the way trying to take revenge or take control of the situation myself, God has no obligation to deal with that person. However, if we trust God and choose to forgive, He will take care of the rest. What a beautiful way to look at it. Because not forgiving someone who's hurt you is like saying your resolution or general lack of it in most of our cases is better than God's solution. It's like hands up who thinks their solution is going to be better than God's. I'm so glad none of you put your hand up then. That's the only time you have permission to not put your hand up. Better than God's. It means we want to sit there like a judge and jury over the other person and decide what do they deserve. Let's decide their punishment for what they did. It's just when you put it down on paper, it's ugly. It's ugly. It robs us of our peace. But forgiving and loving our enemies is how we look different in this messed up world we're called to serve in. It's how we radiate Christ and not hate. Because I wonder if when I'm being really unforgiving, I'm ra- what am I radiating? And I don't think it's Christ. And I want to radiate Christ. Does anybody else want to radiate Christ and not hurt? Yes. Loads. Look, Serena's like, Me. I want to radiate Christ. And I'm coming to think that my unforgiveness radiated looks ugly. And the shot to my heart was finally understanding that Jesus actually died on the cross so we may be forgiven. Who do I think I am to keep that forgiveness from anyone else who lives on this planet? Who do I think I am? How dare I? How dare I? When Jesus died on a cross for me, that's just not on, is it? And look at what lovely Amelia in our youth group did. And she told us that's why I'm sharing it, in case you didn't hear her. Because what happened to her was she prayed for the enemy who was bullying her. Can you imagine what that took of a 13-year-old? A 13-year-old. But she did it. And what it did was not just free her, but it's allowed Jesus to start working in the person who perpetrated that. Because hurt people hurt other people. Amelia didn't just stop there. She went further and then told that person that Jesus loves them. I mean, I was just, I'm just in awe of that beautiful girl. She has no idea how fabulous she is. 
but she's modeling out to us grown-ups what forgiveness looks like when it's lived out. But how do we do this? I hear you cry. I don't hear any of you crying that, but I'm going to tell you anyway. There are three practical things for people who like things they can write down, because I can all see you writing loads of notes. One, decide. Decide. You will never forgive if you wait to feel like it. Note to self, it's never going to happen. Decide. Decide. And ask God to heal your wounded heart. Two, depend. You cannot forgive without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's too hard to do it on your own. It is really hard. But if you're truly willing, God will enable you. But we have to humble ourselves and cry out to him for help. Three, obey. That's a pleasant word, isn't it? I'm looking at your faces. You're like, oh, goody. I just love being obedient. That's my favorite thing. Obey God's word is quite clear about obeying, isn't it? We can try and remove it out the marriage thing and all the rest of it, but obedience is involved in most of the things that God asks us to do. There's always an element of, obe- an element of obedience in there. Because you know what? It's not a surprise to him that we, he, we don't want to do this. He already knows that because he made us. So he knows. You can't hide it from him. He knows. And God doesn't expect us to do this on our own. And that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. And as we go into a time of prayer and response, um, why don't we just close our eyes now for a minute? Let's close our eyes. Why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to us if we have any unforgiveness in our hearts? And if a name comes to mind, say it right there and then. Maybe say it in your head in case it's the person you're sat next to. But say it and say right there and then, I choose to forgive them. I choose to forgive them. And keep that pattern going in your mind until you've exhausted your list of names. The first time I did it, it took ages, absolutely ages. So some of you might need to go home and continue this at home and that's okay. We ask the Holy Spirit to come now and fall afresh on us. Teach our hearts to love and forgive like Jesus does, especially when someone hurts us. Come, Holy Spirit. Hear these names, Lord. Throw them at the cross. Hand over the solution to Jesus. Say, your will is better than my will. Because we're not fighting against a person that hurt us. We're in a spiritual war with the enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So today, let's choose to pick up one of the greatest weapons we have in the battle, 
forgiveness. Let's shout that we choose to forgive and love our enemies as we're called to do. Starting with asking God now as you're sat there, God, please forgive us for our ugly-looking unforgiveness. Come, Holy Spirit, and please free us. Free us from the chains of unforgiveness. Work in our hearts, Lord, so we at St. Saviour's can be an authentic church serving our wonderful Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, as your word and spirit lead. So who do you need to forgive today? Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's a friend or a colleague. Someone who's caused you deep traumatic pain. Maybe it's me or Ron. It's so hard to do, but it's truly what sets us free to be the followers of Christ we were born to be. So as we start to sing, if you've still got business to do with God, just sit with him or come and get prayer from the prayer team. They'll be there waiting. That's what they're there for. But don't leave here carrying that boulder of, forgive, of unforgiveness again. Jesus says, come, lay it down. Come, Holy Spirit, pour your love into each and every heart here. Let forgiveness be the first choice in this church, the first choice in our hearts, so that we can be light bearers and light bringers of your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more information, please go to www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.